Amen. Amen. All right, let's thank the band, you guys. I just kind of special thanks to our sound guy, Ron. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> Instead of uh, speaking today, I'm just going to play the drums and let you interpret. No, I'm just kidding. If you were born uh, outside of the United States of America, would you please stand up right now? If you were born outside of the U.S., stand up. We have a hand in the back. One, two, three, four. Who else? Okay. You guys can sit down. If you were born outside the U.S., you may have a better perspective of this than some of the rest of us, but maybe not. Um, we just sang a song called America the Beautiful. I think it could be equally said uh, that we're America the Blessed. And I want to just get some feedback from you guys. How are we blessed as a nation for living in the United States right now? Uh, just by raising hand, just call something out. Yeah. Um, freedom of speech. What else? Freedom of assembly. Standard of living. Freedom of assembly. Religion. Religion. Yeah. What else? Only 10% unemployment. Yeah. Only. That's right. That's right. Only 10% unemployment. What else? California weather. Yeah, California weather. <laughs> Pretty much any food that you want at the store. Yeah, almost any time of the day or night. Food food galore, right? Um, yeah. We're free to travel everyone. We're free to travel. We can go around places. That's right. I just got back yesterday from spending uh, a week with, with a, a, about 300 or so uh, middle school students. And uh, all of us who were there saw a picture that won't leave our minds soon. It was a picture of a child soldier with a gun in his hand over in Africa, and we don't have any child soldiers here in America, right? We're just blessed. We're America the blessed. Now, let me just ask you a question. Think about this. You ever ask why? Like, why are we so blessed? Why, why have we been given so much? You ever wonder that question? Uh, let me just do this. If you, if you think this is the right answer, you can pop your hand up. Do you think it's because we're better than the rest of the world? Yeah. Because, because we're better, okay? All right, some people think it's because we're better. How about this? Do you think it's because of our ingenuity and because we're so much smarter than every other country? Is that what it is? We're just, we're just smarter, so we, we get it all. How about this? Are we just more deserving? We're just such good people. We're so upright, so much morally better than the rest of the world that, that we deserve all this, okay? Probably not, right? Here's, here's maybe a, a, a better uh, reason for it. I think we all kind of get this hunch and we know this, that it's basically pure gift, right? It's been given to us. Not because we're smarter, not because we earned it. Most everyone here, in fact, I'm pretty sure everyone here didn't choose where you'd be born, right? So we didn't choose to be here. We're not so much smarter that we figured things out. We're blessed in America because it's a gift. It's been given to us. We just sang this. America, America, God shed His grace on thee. And that's really true. God did give His grace to America. And that's just undeserved favor. It's picking a nation and saying, I'm going to bless you. Now, we're not the only blessed nation, right? Some of you have traveled and you've seen other blessed nations, to be sure. But certainly, we are blessed. Uh, parents, how many of you like to give good things to your children. Raise your hand if you'd like to do that, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Is it because your kids are better than other kids, smarter, that they always do the right thing? Come on now. You live with them. It's gifts, right? Parents love to give good gifts to their kids. That's just the way, that's something that God put in us is that we love to give. Now, how many of you parents really get excited 
when one of your kids chooses to take what you've given to them and shares it with, a, with another kid, whether it be their brother, sister, or a friend at the park or something else, how many of you get excited? I want to see your hands up if you get excited when your kids share unprompted. Okay, why is that? Why is that? Why do you get why, why do we why do all the parents get excited about that? What do you think? They're learning to be kind. They're learning to be kind. What else? Why does that get you excited? Better to give than to receive. Better to give than, than, than to receive. Okay? It shows that they're content. It shows that they're like Jesus. It's teaching them to see that. And when you see that unprompted, there's something really, really exciting about that. Uh, Matthew 10.8 says this. This is Jesus talking. By the way, we're doing church the way Jesus did church. In sandals. Okay, amen. By, by some water, right? And, and open air. Okay? This is, this is the way to do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, if any of you have tax issues, we're going to be fishing later on. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Jesus said this, freely you have received, freely give. So freely you've been given things, freely give it away. Um, sometimes sharing is really, really easy. Do we have any three-year-olds here? If you're three, raise your hand. Three years old, okay? We have some three-year-olds right here. Now, when, uh, when Curran was, was three years old, here's what he did. We're in, we're in the backyard. And Curran, uh, just by the amazing parenting that he had and uh, just the godly example that he had, I think, is what it was. Uh, but he knew it was right to share. And so um, he, found some, he found some hair gel and, uh, and he, he helped out his younger brother, who was one at the time, and he moosed his hair up and he got his hair looking super sweet and he was really, really proud of it. And he, he decided to come and show mom um, this hair gel that he had shared. And it turns out that the, the hair gel, as, as Becky started to look at it and figure it out, it was made of, of uh, snail guts. And so um, he was kind enough to peel the snails and then kind of mush it up and then use that as mousse, right? Sometimes. Sometimes sharing is easy, but for the most part, it's really, really hard. Kids, I want you to answer this. What do you find really, really hard to share? What, when you get it, is really hard to share with your brother, sister, or a friend? Let me see. Yeah, Travis. Your money. Yeah, sharing your money is really hard. Olivia. Your toys. Yeah, when you get your toys, you kind of like to have them and play with them. Current. Your video games. Yeah, they might mess it up or mess up your, your program. Rib sticks. Yeah, those are hard to share sometimes. What? Our favorite toy. Our favorite toy, absolutely. What, candy? Yeah, candy's hard to share for sure. So here's the thing. Here's what, here's what we're going to talk about today a little bit, is, is how do we share? How, how do we do that then? Um, for, for you kids, you have mom and dad that help encourage you along the right path. They try to help encourage you learn to share. Sometimes that's hard. Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul goes on to say in 5.13, he says this, But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So let me, let me just make this tie-in really quick. Our whole theme today is this, free to share. And we've been given, I see a lot of America t-shirts, red, white, and blue. Some of you guys saw some, some, some fireworks yesterday, just celebrating the, 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 the nation that we get to live in. But isn't it true that just because we've been given this freedom doesn't necessarily mean that that just makes us the most giving people? Are we the most giving nation per capita in the world? 
Are we the most content nation per capita in the world? I would venture to say, even within the church, this is a major struggle. It's a major temptation even for the people of God. How many of you have heard this expression on the news? Uh, unprovoked acts of violence. Have you heard that expression before? Yeah. Um, you don't hear about this quite as much, but think about this. Unprovoked acts of love. You don't hear about that on the news much, right? That doesn't make the news. It doesn't get ratings up very much. But in essence, that's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to do things that are totally unprovoked. Not, you did something for me, so I'm going to give something back to you and do something for you. I want to talk just briefly about this. The fact that you and I, as the church, as children of God, are called to love and to share that with other people. And of all the virtues, there's kind of this crowning virtue called love. And love is the thing we're to share the most. Now, I'm going to need, um, I'm going to need three volunteers in, uh, in, and I'm going to call you up kind of at different times. Jonathan's one, Daniel's one, we'll make it, and uh, Scott, we'll have you be the other. Um, here's, what I, here's what I believe. The, the, the Bible talks about different categories of people, and I want you just to envision three kinds of people. In fact, not even three kinds of people, because it's easier to love a kind of person than an actual person. Don't you agree? It's easier to kind of love a nation, because you don't really know any people from that nation. You just say, yeah, I love them. But when you take an actual person out, that's way harder. So if you talk about three people, I'm not talking about three kinds of people, I'm talking about three people that I want you to get in your head, okay? Here they are. We're called to love the least of these, the most of these, and the worst of these. Here's kind of a, another way of saying that. Losers, winners, and enemies. Okay? And the Bible calls us to love those three people. Not those three kinds of people in general, those three people in specific. Now, I get to pick on someone. Jonathan, you were first. Get up here. Jonathan is going to be the least of these. Okay? So, look at He already got the right look on his face. Okay? He knows exactly what that means. Now, as I talk, I just you're just going to be kind of an example. Okay? Now, maybe Jonathan is this person for you, but probably not. You're going to have to think outside of him, but, but look at Jonathan and, and kind of think about this. The least of these, okay? This is the person that you are most likely not to notice. All right? This is the person, yeah. I mean, just sad. You shouldn't be smiling right now. You're sad. You're sad. This is the person, this is the person that you walk by. This is the person that you either just trample, because you're just a go-getter, and they're just not even worth your time. Or there's a person that you would actually just sidestep. You just go away, or you make a point to kind of avoid this person. And you know what? That person feels it, right? Um, here's, what, here's what we're called to do. When, when love takes hold of our heart, when the love of God takes hold of our heart, here's what happens. We push past our comfort, and when our normal inclination is to step aside from the least of these and kind of move away, there's this compelling, burning love in us that just draws us. It's almost like we can't even help ourselves. We're like, but this is really uncomfortable. But he kind of smells. He doesn't really. He shouts. <laughs> but he's different. But he's weird. And there's just like compelling love that, that draws us in. Look what just happened. I put my arm around him and he put his arm around me. Let me just give you a few ideas of who this person is, okay? You can act like these if you know what they are. A beggar. Okay? There, this, is, this is a person begging. That might be the, 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 the least of these. Here's another one. is a, a prisoner. Okay? Prisoners are, are the, the least of these in our society. The refugee. What's a refugee? 
Someone give me a working definition of refugee. Well, a refugee is kind of like, uh, like, um, like kind of like a war veteran. Kind of. China. Displaced is a great word for that. It's someone who had to leave their country, maybe because of persecution. There are refugees in America. There are people who left their country because they couldn't live there anymore. Things were too violent. Their parents died. They lost their job, whatever, and they're here. It's the, the new guy. I don't care if it's the new guy or new girl at school, at work, in the family, but it's the, it's the new person. They're not established yet. It's easy at a big family function to kind of not talk to that person. You have no history with them, no relationship with them. They show up at church. We've never seen them before. It's just easy to let them sit off by themselves. I've got relationships to, 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 to dial into. How about the freshman? The freshman in high school, right? The incoming 7th grader or 6th grader. It's the foreigner. It's the international person amongst us. It's the homeless. It's the struggling veteran. It's that person that you just wish you could avoid. That's who we are called to share our love with. Freely we've received love. Freely we're to love the least of these. Jesus gave us a sort of litmus test. And that is this. If you love this person right here, not Jonathan, but this person, this least of these. If you love this person, it says you really know God. But here's the thing. If I take this person, and I just kind of shove him over in the corner, and I go, man, it's so much easier not to think about him. In fact, it's just easier to preach up here. You guys are looking at me now instead of him. If I do that with the least of these, it says I'm going to know God. So what it's calling us to do is it's calling us to take the least of these and to love them. Not because it makes us feel good. Not because it's what, uh, you know, we, we're just, you know, dying to do. But because it's the right thing to do. Okay? Give it up for Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. Right. Think about this. Today we have this opportunity. A cup of cold water given to someone who doesn't have a, a cup of cold water. It can just be an act of worship. In fact, I think it may be, it may be even more of a visible act of worship to God than when we're all doing it. If I got all the kids together here and I said, hey, let's all share. And all the kids felt like, well, my parents are watching, other kids are doing it. Yeah, I guess I'll do it here. That's one thing. But what if you watch your kid, they don't even know you're there, and you just see them share unprompted. Isn't that different? That's you loving the least of these in the cubicle when no one else is around and when it's easy to not do it. The day that Christ church excludes the least of these from fellowship, from inclusion, from love is the day we stop being like the Church of Christ. It's the day we stop behaving like the Bride of Christ should behave. God cares about the least of these, the forgotten, the despised, the outcast, and so should we. Here's my next person. Who is my other person? Daniel. Get up here. He's got the shades to prove this. He's the most of these. We're not just called to, we're not just called to, to, to love losers. We're called to love winners. Okay? He's got the rock star glasses going. We're going to put him right out front here. Come on, Daniel. There you go. Now, let me say this. that, that I think that perhaps loving the least of these might actually be easier than this next category of person. Because the, the least of these is no real threat on your turf. When, when you come across someone who's an outcast, has no friends, is worse at you in your perceived mind than things, then to reach out and love them, that's kind of out of the goodness of your heart. I think we could all even kind of do that in our own strength for a season of time. But I'll tell you this next person, the, the most of these, the winners, 
might be some of the hardest people to love. Here's why. This is the person that you and everyone else is likely to, to notice and pay attention to and give accolades to and comment about. And therefore, it eclipses you. And you end up being like this behind the person and people can't see you as much. Here's who this person is. It's the person who does what you do only better. Right? It's a person that's, that's very, very similar to you. They come from the same kind of socioeconomic background. They kind of live where you do. They even do the things you do. But they do it just better. And that bugs us. That just bugs all of us to the bottom of our call. We go, man. And it's, it's, it's maybe the prettier sister. It's the more athletic brother. It's the person at the office who's always one step ahead of you in a meeting saying the thing you wish you would have said. It's a person like you that does things better. All of us here are have a tendency to compare and and belittle those around us. If not verbally, outwardly, we kind of do it in our mind. So let's say I'm in middle school, okay? I might be sitting here and I, I have my arm around him because I want to be close to him because all of you are looking at him because he's the most of these and I want to be near the most of these. But in my head, I'm like, those classes are lame. <laughs> Mine clearly are way, way better. <laughs> that shirt... That shirt has nothing on my shirt. My shirts are cooler. Sandals are in when you're at the park. And I'm just sitting here, and even if some people say it outwardly, some people do it with body language, but some of us just do it in our head. And we're just ripping the person to shreds. We're kind of pulling them down. We can do that family to family. We can do that church to church, can't we? We're, 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 we're kind of too similar to another church, and so we, we kind of want to pull them down. I want you to think for a moment. Stay up here for a second, okay, Daniel? I want you to think about who you are. You take two fish. I used to work at a fish store. You take two fish that are equal size and you put them in a 10-gallon aquarium. You know what happens? Some, some, I almost called them brands. Some breeds <laughs> will actually fight until one of them is floating on the top and the other one survives. Because it's like, you're too much like me. If you put a bunch of little fish in with this guy, no problem. If you put a fish in this big with this guy, no problem. But you get two the same size, and sometimes they'll fight to the death. That's a little bit what loving the most of these is like. Now, let me just think about what you are. Don't answer out loud, but bring up some categories about yourself. You can bring up your race, your profession, how much money you make, how many kids you have, where you go to church, what you like to do, what you're good at, whatever. I would venture to guess that Rick Palm is threatened and feels a most of these that's different from me. Let me give you an example. I am not threatened in the slightest bit by French chefs. I'm not. They don't threaten me one tiny bit. Writers and authors, construction workers, teachers, firemen, park rangers, tap dancers don't bother me, and iota. I don't even, I don't even give them a second thought. You know what gets me nervous? Preachers. Because what if that preacher's better than me? What if they get more accolades? What if they have a bigger following? What if they turn a phrase in such a way that I'm convicted? I go, man, I wish I could say it just like that. For you, it's probably not preachers, but maybe I listed something that for you it is. And you realize that to love the most of these, to love winners, is really, really challenging. Jesus loving us frees us to love even this person. 
It moves beyond insecurity. It moves beyond posturing, where I need to always feel like I'm doing this. And so much energy goes into trying to get ahead and trying to be a step above the most of these that I'm not free to love because I'm, I'm, I'm enslaved, really, to trying to always be better than the most of these. Go ahead and grab a seat. Give it up for Daniel. Thanks, buddy. Now, isn't it, it's a little bit of a struggle to find where God or Jesus gives an example of this because you can't be better than God, right? Jesus didn't love anyone who did something better than him because he did it the best. But a great Old Testament picture is that of David and Jonathan. Remember King David? King David's all over the place. He's one of the greatest heroes of the Old Testament. He was a phenomenal king. He loved the Lord. But I think a great example of loving the most of these was Jonathan. Because Jonathan did music. Jonathan was involved in leadership. Jonathan was involved in the art of war. But David did all three of those things better. Who had the most to lose by championing David? It was Jonathan. He was the prince. He was the heir to the throne. Everything he had was his. And yet where Dad saw greatness in David and wanted to just squelch it and put it under his thumb, Jonathan saw greatness in David and he saw that God was working in his life. And so instead of trying to compete and squelch and whisper in his dad's ear, we've got to get rid of this guy, instead, what did Jonathan do? He took what could have been his biggest rival and he became his biggest fan. Let me think about this for a second. Let me have you think about this for a second. What if your biggest rival right now, what if you began to be freed to love that person in such a way that you were that person's biggest fan? And you came and you just championed them. I'll tell you what happens in churches. I'll tell you what happens in the mission field sometimes. If you get two fish equally sized and they think they're something and they start to fight and bicker. And sometimes church staff can't get along. Not because they're so deeply rooted and there's some theological thing that they're just digging in on, but because there's bitter jealousy and there's backbiting and there's devouring. Sometimes missionaries come home from the mission field not because of injury or not because of some other thing, spiritual warfare, but it's because they cannot get along with their compadres as they're trying to, to work out living the gospel and sharing the gospel in the mission field. Isn't that true in us as well? Some people will leave church because their little niche is being stepped on. It's the person on the worship team who doesn't get noticed when the other one does. It's the person serving that somehow got called up to share a testimony and the other didn't. And we can let that start to just eat at us. There's a third category of people. I think, I think to be honest, we may, not always, but I think we may be able to sometimes pull off loving the least of these. You know, as good as my heart, out of charity, once a year, I'm going to pull out lima beans that are dusty in my closet. I'm going to give it to someone. I mean, let's face it, they need it more than I do. And then you kind of go away, yeah, I've loved the least of these. Maybe once in a great while, you, you, you decide, you know, let's throw your verses aside, I'm going to champion this person. I'm going to stop bickering with them. I think maybe we could do this out of our own strength. Scott, get up here. But this guy right here, this guy takes supernatural working to love. Not Scott, another person. Sorry, sorry. Here, stand up here. Now, here's what Scott is. Scott's the worst of these. I'm glad it was you, because you can take it, Scott. I know Scott. 
got the worst of these. His brother's up here. He can testify. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, he's representing. He's representing the worst of these. He's your enemy. Here, here's, here's who the the worst of these. Think about the person right now. You have the most reason to hate. If you go on a daytime talk show and you spurted out all these things, the whole crowd would agree with you and say, yes, you have right to hate that person. The, the worst of these is the one who's mistreated you. It's the one who's betrayed you. It's the one who's stabbed you in the back. And then he sits off at a distance and he's laughing at your pain. That's who the worst of these is. It's your enemy. And Jesus made this perfectly clear. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He says this. Probably not much different setting than this. Maybe a little. These one here. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, we've heard a lot of things said. It doesn't matter. It matters what Jesus says. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward would you get? Do not even tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now instead of Scott's face right here, I want you to put the hate, the, the, the face of the person that you have the most reason to hate. I want you to put it on Scott right now. I think all of us get, I think all of us get that loving our neighbors and loving our brothers is a good thing. I think we get that at church. I think you don't even have to be a Christian or have supernatural divine inspiration to understand that. But it absolutely takes a work of God. It takes a miracle. In fact, Jesus said it takes a new birth. It takes spiritual life inside of you to begin to take this person and begin to actually love them. And my practical recommendation would be this. Start to pray for that person by name every single day. And at first it will be gut-wrenching. And at first you won't be able to form any words. And at first your mind will go there and it will run from it. And that's where you beg God and say, God, bring me back there. I need to learn how to love my enemy. Go ahead and sit down, Scott. Give it up for Scott. I wish I could... I wish I could pull from a huge number of stories for an example like this in modern day. I was reading a book while I was up at camp because I had so much free time. I never, kidding, I didn't. I had a little bit of free time. And I was reading from a book and I, I came across this story. Kids, I want you to say a word with me, okay? On the count of three, I want you to repeat what I say. Here's the word. The word is Rwanda. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to say that together really loud. Okay, Rwanda is what we're going to say. One, two, three. Rwanda. Okay, how many know what they just said? How many kids? You know what that is? Anyone? Jonathan, you got it? It's a country. You know what they did in Rwanda less than 20 years ago, less than basically 10 years ago? A little more than 10 years ago? They did something called genocide. 
And they went through and they just started to wipe out people and neighbors started to literally kill their neighbors. And you know what the reason was? It was because one was born with one type of body type and skin color and little facial features and one wasn't. And one group thought in their head, we're the better ones. And we're going to basically wipe out everyone. That was in Rwanda, in our world, in a country not that far away from people not that different from us. And it happened less than 15 years ago. I came across a story of what I think really illustrates what it looks like to love your neighbors. The author of this book I was reading is a pastor up in Canada. And he had a refugee come into his church and she was from Rwanda and she escaped the genocide. And while she was running and hiding from hut to hut and hiding from her neighbors, hiding from her mailman and her school teachers, she had a Bible. And in her own words she said this, the Bible became food and water and air to me. And you know what happened as she read her Bible, you guys? She gave her life to Jesus Christ. She began to follow Jesus. And Jesus watched over this child's life, or this woman's life, young woman's life, and allowed her to get out. And when she got out of Rwanda, she moved to Canada, just north of us. And she got involved in this church, and God brought a young man into her life, and they got married. And you know what God called this couple to do? Go back to Rwanda. Go back to her homeland, and start to love the very people who killed her parents. She became a school teacher. And she recounts a story of a woman who was in Rwanda. And I want to read it for you right now because it so illustrates what it looks like to love your enemy. Here it is. And we're almost done. I know it's a little bit warm in the sun. A woman's only son was killed. This is in Rwanda less than 15 years ago. She was consumed with grief and hate and bitterness. God, she prayed, reveal my son's killer. One night she dreamed she was going to heaven, but there was a complication. In order to get to heaven, she had to pass through a certain house. She had to walk down the street, enter the house through the front door, go through its rooms, up the stairs, and exit the back door. She asked God whose house this was. It's the house, he told her, of your son's killer. The road to heaven passed through the house of her enemy. Two nights later, there was a knock at her door. True story. She opened it. And there stood a young man about her son's age. And listen to this. Yes, she says. He hesitated, and then he said this. I am the one who killed your son. Since that day, I've had no life, no peace, and so here I am. I am placing my life in your hands. Kill me, because I'm dead already. Throw me in jail, because I'm in prison already. Torture me, I am in torment already. Do with me as you wish. This woman had prayed for this day to come, and now it had arrived, and she didn't know what to do. She found her own surprise that she did not want to kill him. She didn't want to throw him in jail. She didn't want to torture him. In that moment of reckoning, you know what she found? She found that she only wanted one thing. She wanted a son. I ask this of you. This is the woman talking to this boy. 
I ask this of you. Come into my home and live with me. Eat my food that I would have prepared for my son. Wear the clothes that I would have had my son wear. Become the son that I lost. And you know what that boy did? He did exactly that. He moved in with this woman. God lovers, agape lovers, do what God himself has done. God lovers take enemies and they make them sons and daughters. That's why we celebrate all the time the cross. That's why we celebrate the gospel message is that God took bitter enemies, those who actually killed his son, and they welcome him in. And as Christ followers, as those who want to look like Jesus, that's exactly what we are called to do. And I'll guarantee you this, you on this side need those on this side to help you accomplish that. Because if you're reaching out to your enemies, you need those praying for you and encouraging you along and saying you're doing the right thing. You can do this. We're here for you. And those of you on this side, you desperately need people on this side. And people across the lake and around the park today desperately need this kind of love being poured into their hearts. And that's what we have to offer. I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're going to take up an offering this morning, and we're going to do that old school too. We're going to pass a hat. Rich Henderson is going to sacrifice his hat for this. Some of you came prepared. Some of you didn't come prepared. But we're doing church, so we're going to uh, have a little bit more worship through music. And um, something we like to do in our family camping, we did this uh, up at Hume Lake as well. But keep your eyes open today while we pray. Sometimes we close our eyes, we bow our heads. That's a good sign of respect. Keeps us from being distracted. But I want you to look at the things God created as we pray right now. Lord, thank you so much for this place. Thank you for birds and trees and this crowning part of your creation, these people that are here. And God, we need your help to love the least of these. We need your help to love the most of these. And we certainly need your help to love the worst of these. Help us to have eyes to see the losers and the winners and the enemies, not just this week, but for a lifetime. And God, I thank you that we can take our church and we're not confined to walls, but we can come out here and be amongst not only your creation, but your creation, the people that you've made in your very image. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. All right, Rich is going to be our one usher. He's just going to pass the hat, and uh, you can you can give to that if you'd like. After that, we've got a giant barbecue. We have some flyers that are around that tell us a bunch of things about our church. Uh, feel free to grab some of those. Gurria's been doing that already as the, as the service has been going on. Get them out to people, and uh, let's share. Why don't you guys stand up as we, uh, as we close in a couple songs? Okay.